What's going on guys, John out here with you, I'm with my partner in crime, Michael Swartout. This is going to be the Red Wings season preview for 2022 and 2023. Michael, as always, it's a pleasure to have you on here with me. And again, we have some of the show notes from last week. This is our chance to finally record it. I'm just going to make a quick announcement and then we'll officially get everything going here. So, we know the Red Wings season will start on Friday with the Montreal Canadiens at LCA. And then it's going to be a couple of games there with the New Jersey Devils off the back-to-back. And then you have the LA Kings on Monday. So as far as the coverage from me with ESPN Plus and NBA League Pass, I'm going to be covering the season wall-to-wall all the way through the postseason. So if you check Twitter Spaces, ColorCast, YouTube, Facebook Live, I'll be all over that trying to get eyes and ears glued to the sets and figuring things out. So if you want that coverage, that's where you go. So hopefully, maybe Mike and I, especially, man, we could probably do some Red Wings games if we get some time. So that will be cool yeah, to actually good. pull I the like game. That. Yeah, that's good. Thanks for having me Yep, so we're going to get right into it here. So last season, the Red Wings finished 32-40-10. They were 25th in goals for and 30th in goals against. Their best month was November. They were 7-6-1. Their worst month was probably in toward the... January, February side of it, especially February, where they went 3-8-3 three, and three going into that part of it. So, Eisenman has made a lot of changes here. And, Mike, you were on this 100% early with Derek Lalonde with Tampa. What did you think of that hire? I like that hire. Um, he's been with John Cooper. Um, he, he's seen what it takes to get a winning team together. I'm really I'm, I'm waiting to see what he does with this team. What what is it, what his impression is beyond these guys? Um, how what what changes does he make in the play? What does he do differently that Blasio does? And what does he get out of the players now? Uh, that's my thing right now. I'm going to see what he brings right now. Because that's a situation for me too, Mike. When we talk about it, it seems like a culture shock and a change that needed to be made. Because look, we know about what was going on between January and February. That was when the Wings were just struggling to hang on to a playoff spot. Yes, it fell in the wild card in the Eastern Conference, right, with the Boston Bruins and the Washington Capitals. That pretty much they weren't going to be able to fall out of that spot. But the Red Wings fell completely out. And what does he bring and what does he change? So this brings me to a couple points here. And you know about this very well. We didn't even have to even put this in the notes about Jeff Blaschel. I would consider Jeff Blaschel and from Derek Lalonde as a good organizational punching bag. And I don't mean that in a disheartening way. He did everything that he was supposed to do, but at the same time, he did not get the team that Derek Lalonde just inherited. It seems like Steve Eisman, with all these moves, and we'll go over them in a second, is trying to make sure that Derek Lalonde doesn't completely fall on his face in year one. Do you agree? Oh, I agree with that. Um, Eisman made, made some shrewd moves this year. Um... I'm curious how this pans out and how he gets these guys to gel together. How he gets these guys to work with each other. Um, that remains to be seen. Um, looking forward to it. I, I want to see it. I want to, I want to see, I want to see him on the bench right now. So I want to see the players respond to him, respond to his coaching philosophy. And, you know, let, let, let's see these guys play together. Um, he, like you said, Eisenman's added a lot of, added some pieces here, um, this year. Um, Pop and Perron and Kabalik and he's had some guys who got some promise and stuff and you know they're bringing a lot of new guys into the team and let's see how they work with the, with the existing guys. 
So let's go over some of those right now. So first, we'll get with some of the departures. It was Sam Gagne, Troy Stetch, remember for his seventh round pick to the LA Kings, because that was at the time in February and March around the deadline where they needed to make the postseason. They were running out of bodies. So yeah. Troy Stetcher left, Mitchell Stevens, Ole Uli from the Florida Panthers. He got a little bit of time, but it was quickly found out that there wasn't going to be space for him. And Thomas yeah. Grice, the backup goaltender, had left. But with the additions, as you talk about, Mike, it's Andrew Kopp, David Perron, Stanley Cup winner from the St. Louis Blues. Don't yeah. forget, he made the finals there with the Vegas Golden Knights in their first year, and Dominic Kubelik. So just in these three alone, I wanted to stop at this point because I mentioned this a little bit when I talked with Cooper and did some of these games, but not with you yet. When I think about Andrew Kopp, I think about somebody especially from the Winnipeg Jets side because we used to like that team from a couple years ago and then the New York Rangers when they picked them up the deadline. I think Andrew Kopp is a solid second-line center that can play a 200-foot game. He can score a little bit. He can play defense. He can do a little bit of everything. And I think that's exactly what Dylan Larkin needs in a second-line center is someone else that can also kind of bring the pain in all different kinds of situations. Yes, maybe the money could be a little bit too long for some of them, but I think for Andrew Kopp, that's exactly what the Red Wings need because by the time this deal is done and by the time the Red Wings are competitive, you might see Larkin and Kopp on the second and third line because you need to start building from within at some point, and the center is a perfect place to do that. Yes, I agree. Um, I, the only issue I have with at, uh, Kopp is the concussion issues he's had. Yeah. Um, that's my only concern right now. I hope he stays healthy and contributes. I agree with you on the second line. I think Dylan Larkin, um, he can he can center all the lines. He, he needs help. He needs help up the middle. Um, Kopp is, is a good addition. He showed it. He can score. I want him to stay healthy. Um, it'd be great. Absolutely. Well, you start with the concussion issues because I know I brought that up before. I didn't bring that up with you there. Now I appreciate that you did in the sense of that's the only issues there with Andrew Kopp. Is he going to score 40 goals? No. Is he going to get like 60 assists? No. But he's going to do everything else that you need him to do, and that's a stepping stone. We're talking about centers that the Red Wings just don't have. It's pretty much Larkin and... Uh, Michael Rasmussen able to actually win draws, and everybody else has just been non-existent. So I think that's been a good addition. Now, David yeah. Perron and Dominic Kubelik, it's just two-year deals for both. And I understand that Perron is getting a little long in the tooth, and Kubelik is a really good young forward that I'm surprised, even though the Blackhawks are rebuilding, and we're going to be doing that for a while, I'm surprised they let him go. But in the sense of David Perron, you're getting a guy that can throw the fists, score the goals, and headline a power play alongside with Kubelik. As we've said, out of 32 teams in the league, the Red Wings were 31st in power play and penalty kill. And when you have D- David Perron on the first line and Dominic Kubelik on a second line power play, you're essentially trying to jumpstart what was an incredible line last year of Larkin, Raymond, and Bertuzzi. You need all the help that you can get especially on the power play and the penalty kill, and that's where I think David Perron and Kubelik are going to do the most damage. What say you? I like the Perron deal. I think he, bring, he brings a lot. Um, this guy's going to help out a lot on, on the line and stuff, especially on the power play. Um, the line needs that. He needs a veteran. You know, he needs those veterans and stuff on, on that line to help these younger guys. 
The Braun deal was great. The Kubelock deal was great. Um, Eisenman's only locked in a couple of years in these guys. Now, I mean, I, I think this is going to add a lot. I am, I'm hopeful. I, I want to see it. I want to see this guy play with the other guys. Um, I really want to see, you know, you know, how, how this, how he gels with like, you know, some of the young guys like Zadina and the other guys, because you know that he's going to, Lon's going to move these guys in and out and stuff, but, I have some hope here. I, I thought I thought the Prawn signing was good. I liked it. Um, Kabalik, uh, like you said, why should why Chicago give up on him? I don't know. But yeah, this is I, I think Eisenman uh, made some good deals here. Only two years. He's not locked in longer on these guys. So no, I think this is good. I like it. So I'm gonna go with some of the smaller other good moves before I bring in my one uh, question mark here for you, Mike. Yep, so yep. for Olimata, it was just a one-year deal for about seven hundred thousand. So I yep. know Olimata doesn't have a lot of points. He only I think he had less than ten points, but he's a guy that you could honestly put on the solid second-line defense, and he can play defense and be good at it. So there is no really catch twenty-two with that one. We'll see what Olimata does in a proving ground deal. So here's an issue here with uh, Mark Pizik and Robert Haig. Haig took a puck in the face in the preseason. He's not going to be available to start the year, and I think Pizik's also out for the entire year because of an ACL tear. So you will not see those guys, so that's not even going to go against your cap, and they were only one-year deals anyway. So my one question mark for the defense before we even get into our goaltender there is Ben Trott. And I'm not saying this as a disparaging remark. I, I think Ben Chirot can be a good defenseman. I don't know if I liked that four-year deal with the amount of money that was thrown in there. I know I had the exact numbers with me on the uh, show about a month and a half ago when we did some stuff of the trade deadline, but Ben Chirot's going to command a bit of that salary cap, and he's a guy right now that's slated on the first line with Maurice Sider, but he doesn't have a really uh, fluent offensive game. It's all about trying to hit guys as much as he can and play the physical style. But if he doesn't have the skating speed with Cider and he doesn't have the offensive game, I wondered why Steve Eisman made Ben Chirot a big target and gave him a long term. Yeah, I, you know, I, I've been reading up on Chirot and stuff. 31 years old, four, four years. I, 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 that deal kind of surprised me. Um, I wonder what um, what he saw in Sherratt. I Obviously, he's a defensive person, like you said. Um, is he is Eisman going to let you know um, Eisenman, um, let Sider do a little more offensive stuff and keep and keep Sherratt on the back end and make sure they get like you said, you know his 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 speed his skating. Can he get back there? I mean, don't this guy take take stupid penalties and do stupid shit. I know he had an issue with a headbutt the other year. Um, I, you know, four years? Man, why, why did he get four years? That's my question. I do not get that. You know, I can see it four years for a center for cop or you know, yes. a defenseman. I, I'm not getting that. Um, you know, I just, you know, what did, what did Eisman see in him? What did Eisman think? I know he had his best year last year. And he got a four-year deal this year with Eisman. So, let's, let's, let's see what he, how it plays out. Yes, and I, I think the one thing I can say this, remember Mark Stahl last year, right? He was pretty good. He was a, a leadership kind of guy. Maybe Ben Sherratt is going to now fill that role. But at the same yes. time, like you said, Mike, 
at a four-year with a decent money term and a cap hit, that's something that is going to, I think, force early in the season Ben Chirot to play on that first line. But I think Derek Lalonde's got to know if that doesn't work out, you swap for Olimata quickly or maybe some of these other kids and then get things going. So that's what brings me into some of these rookies before we get into our big goaltending acquisition because I think we have to talk about that one. So Simone Edvinson. I didn't get a chance to watch a lot of the preseason, but I do want to bring in this point. It was about a month ago when we had the World Juniors, you know, the Canadian teams and things like that. I seen him on Team Sweden. Simone Edvinson looked very, very good. And who and also who impressed for Team Canada was Donovan Zabringo. And I'm telling you guys this now. Between Simone Edvinson and Zabringo, I think you're definitely going to see Edvinson Night number one, that means Friday against the Montreal Canadiens, but I wouldn't be surprised if Donovan Zabrango also gets called up. These guys have tremendous size, speed, skating ability, and they have a bomb for a shot. So yes, you could be apprehensive to bring a couple rookies into that defensive lineup, but that defensive lineup was atrocious last year. And these guys are going to be a massive upgrade even from their first season, so look out for them. Uh-huh. Jonathan Berggren is also another forward that's possibly mentioned, but we'll see if he even uh, makes it through camp. So I want to get into my goaltending acquisition here, Mike, because I know you'll have something on this. So this was before all the free agency frenzy started. It was a trade for a third-round pick and something else that brought in Ville Huso from the St. Louis Blues. Now you're talking about a goaltending tandem of Alex Nedeljkovic and Ville Huso. I think Ville Huso is going to be a solid acquisition, and this is also something to keep in mind. Alex Nedeljkovic is a free agent after this season is over, and Ville Huso has signed a three-year deal. What did you think about that move? Oh, I thought it was a guy. I think Eisman is protecting his future. I think he is because you know you you can. If these, from what I'm reading, if these guys split time, Nedeljkovic had a good year last year, even with defensive issues that they had. I think Eisman is protecting his um, the future because he may not have Demelkovic very much longer and stuff. Huzo's his backup. He's got some good goalies coming up right now. Um, Kosa, I yeah. saw some things about him. Um, I think Eisman is trying to. He's looking. He's looking at the longer goal. He's looking at the bigger picture right now. He understands what's what's coming up. And he knows what you know. His players, Novakovic, is a very sought after goalie. I think that was a steal for Novak. I thought that was a steal for Eisman to get him. He did not have the defense in front of him to help him. But this guy, this this guy's gonna be a good player than any other team that's got a defense in front of him. I think Eisman's just protecting himself. I want to bring home your point on this side of it because I was watching something a little bit earlier because the uh, Hockey Canada, you know, Sportsnet, all that stuff was trying to do their season previews today as we're going through this. And they uh, were talking pretty bad about Alex Nedeljkovic. And I think that they were kind of going on the ESPN Plus side because I know some of those games were brought on that, which kind of made everybody on Bally's side angry, which I get. 
They were talking about Nedeljkovic giving up eight goals against the Minnesota Wild, the nine-goal game against against the Arizona Coyotes. There's been some laughers there. Remember the getting smoked against the Toronto Maple Leafs. But to your point, Mike, I agree with you. I think Alex Nedeljkovic will have a better season as far as the defense getting better. They should be a lot better. And look, I understand. And I know this is an easy point to make. When your defense is better, you're probably going to get better goaltending. But Alex Nedeljkovic is not as bad as the numbers indicate to me. And I think as long as the defense can do a little bit better than they should have, because they couldn't be any worse. Alex Nedeljkovic got hung out to dry, and now you have a good goalie tandem, as you said, between Nedeljkovic and Huso. So for me, in a perfect world, in an 82-game season, I would split these guys 41 games apiece. It's a 1A, 1B situation, and I don't think you can lose in that regard. I agree, I agree with that. I, I, you know, Red Wings did not have a defense last year, and yeah, you can put a little bit, you can put a little bit on him, but you can't put everything on him. So, no, I like I said, I thought all that stuff for Nedeljkovic was completely unwarranted. Yes, was his ERA or not ERA? I'm sorry, goals against average. I'm thinking yeah. baseball. My goodness. So goals against average, like 350. Yes, you know, you want it in like maybe the. The higher part of twos, because I'll give the Red Wings the benefit of the doubt. The defense isn't going to be world beaters this year, but they should be better. So you'd want Adelkovich to probably be at what, like around a 280, 290? Yeah. Instead of yeah. like a 350? I mean, let's let's call it what it is. I, I think he will be. And as you said, and we brought this up just before we talked about Hughes, so Sebastian Kosa is going to get his start with the Grand Rapids Griffins, and I'm not in any rush to bring up Sebastian Kosa this year. I let him get his feet wet as much as they can, and as long as Nedeljkovic can stay healthy, and you got Villa Huso as a 1A, 1B, there really is no backup goaltender in this situation. You give Kosa all the seasoning in the world because, let's face it, if Nedeljkovic does well, and hell, we'll throw David Perron and Dominic Kubalik in. You know, it's a two-year deal for them, and Nedeljkovic is a free agent after this year. If they do well and they get into a playoff spot, yeah, maybe you keep them. But if they're doing well and the Red Wings are fading out, I I could see a possibility where Nedeljkovic, Perron, and Kubalik leave. And you, yes. get, and you get something significant for those kind of players. Even for Perron, that's a little bit older because I'm telling you, anywhere David Perron goes, he scores. <laughs> and he, he yes. does a lot of work. And Nedeljkovic, I think, can be a really good goaltender because Carolina... With Freddie Anderson, remember when he got hurt in the playoffs with Auntie Ranta, and Ranta had to play all those games? Boy, they probably wish they had an Adelkovic for some yeah. goaltending. Yeah, yeah, I agree. I agree with that, man. Wow. So, yeah, so go ahead. I, you know, I think Eisman's, you know, on the, on, the, on the onset, I think Eisman has set himself up pretty good with goalies. I think right now it's, it's a matter of what goalie gets hot and – Show and show and shows the ship and shows itself for Derek Lamont. I mean, a lot of it's defense. Let's see, let's see the defense do something good. Let's let's make some good plays in the in defensive zone. I mean, cause that's gonna help. It helps out. It helps out goaltenders all the time. With Everybody, the defense, mm-hmm. right? I mean, you know, you, you gotta make your saves here and there. I understand that, but you know, when the defense is giving them wide open goals, you can't stop everything. But you know, you. You know, defense has got to get in front of these guys and make plays, getting that puck out of the zone for these guys. I mean, you got to make you got to make the smart play. 
So let me do this, because I had these at the bottom. I haven't looked at these notes in about a week, so I apologize, everybody. Sevilla Huso, it was a third-round pick in the 2022 draft, signed for a three years, $14.25 million. 40 games played last year, 25-7-6, and 9-19 save percentage, and two shutouts. Andrew Kopp was a five-year deal, $28.13 million, about 5.63 per, 72 games played and combined with uh, Jets and Rangers, 21 goals, 32 assists, 53 points, and as Mike pointed out, it was the concussion issues, but he played with Larkin at U of M. You're going to need some depth on the middle, and I think Kopp can do that. Olimata, the one-year 2.25, it was eight points in 66 games, but he is warranted as a shutdown defenseman. Ben Chirot, this was the question for both of us, four years, 19 million, about 4.75 per, so that might be one that might stick in the craw, and I don't know if he's going to stay as the number one defenseman pairing there with Moritz Sider, but it was 74 games played, and with the trade over from the Florida Panthers, who keep in mind, they gave up a first-round pick for this guy, nine goals, 17 assists, 26 points, Dominic Kubalik, nice team-friendly deal, two years, five million, I thought he could have got much more, 78 games played, 15 goals, 17 assists, 32 points, David Perron, it was two years, nine and a half million, I think that that's a really good get too, because in 67 games played, 27 goals, 30 assists, 57 points for a 34-year-old. So yes. he's, he's definitely still going to be able to bring that uh, pain. Remember, Yamir Yager pointed this out, Mike, and we could laugh at this. He said he's still in the free agency line. <laughs> <laughs> so if, if he's still there, David Perron's still got a long way to yes. go there. So those were just some of those numbers before I wanted to move on here. So let's talk about it. I'm going to go over this quickly here, and if you have anything that you want to chime in on, be my guest. Center depth, probably going to sound like this. Dylan Larkin, Andrew Kopp, Pew Suter, and Michael Rasmussen. Let me end this here. I apologize. So we're good on that side. And then defensive depth, Ben Schrott, Moritz Sider, Ole Mata with Philip Peronik. And then uh-huh. with Pizik and Wallman, I forgot about this. Jake Wallman's also out to start the year. He was one of those guys with the Oscar Sunquist trade that moved uh-huh. uh, Nick Letty. He's going to be out. So Jake Wallman was a guy, when I went to the game on uh, March 22nd, he was a guy that was could skate a lot and shoot bombs. So he was one that went into arbitration. He wanted a big deal, and I think he ended up signing a one-year deal as Eisman was able to get him to stay. And uh, he's going to bring in some good defensive depth, but they got to get healthy because it's no Pizik, no Wallman, and no Robert Haig. So that might mean Jordan Osterley will be on the third-line side, and Simone Edvinson probably won't start on the first line. But he's going to be here, and maybe Donovan Zabrango gets a shot. Does that sound pretty accurate to you as far yeah, as the lines? Yes, it does. Yes, it does. I mean, Eisman's got, Eisman's got a lot of guys stacked down down in the lower in the leagues, like Grand Rapids and stuff. He's got the people that can come up and do something and stuff. He can give them a chance and stuff. So it's, it's you know, yeah, Eisman's got, he's got players that are ready to go. Um, he's, he's, He's he's doing his best to I mean I mean keep the defense together. I mean I, I don't know how you know it's it's just hard to say what you know, how these guys are going to play. Um, it's I want to see how they are going to be when when the, when, the, when the season starts. Um, how these guys um, gel together? Do they know where their positions are and where and where they're going to be? I mean that's you know that's kind of the thing thing with me. 
I want, I want to see these guys shut down. That's my whole thing. Yeah. And not, and not do stupid shit. You, you want to see this situation here for the Red Wings where, okay, we know that Ben Sherrod and Moritz Sider is going to be on that first line to start, but you would expect Simone Edvinson to quickly shoot up the charts with his yep. size. And here's another name for you on the forward side, and I saw him a little bit in the preseason. How about the Swedishman Elmer Soderblom? He's oh my six God! Foot seven, folks. That guy's a beast. He's a that guy's three. A beast. And I saw one of the games in the preseason where he just outskated the Maple Leafs and threw a wicked backhand on goal and beat Samsonov. And oh, uh, Maple Leafs goaltending situation—that's a whole other show for I us. Know. That could yes. be interesting, but Elmer Soderblom might be one that would get some time if they don't get a lot of seasoning there in Grand Rapids. So don't expect to see Kosa this year, but I would expect to see Edvinson, and I would at some point toward maybe March and April maybe see Sider and Edvinson on the same line that could have a lot of Red Wings fans uh, salivating. Can we, just, can we just put Soderblom in front of the net right now? <laughs> and just he, let him sit there. <laughs> he, he could, uh, you know what? You would hope that he would be the next iteration of Tomas Holmstrom. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. The, the, well, the, the guy there, Black Gully, right? So and, uh, I'm just sit there and, you know, but whatever. I mean, he's, yeah, he's obviously more than that. He's a big body. I want, you know, if they're, if they're going to dump the puck into the corner like that, I want him to get that puck out. He's got the big body. He can push these guys out of the way and get that puck. I want to see puck control for him. We, I don't, you know, that's, that's what I want to see. We begged Anthony Mantha to do that for years. Yeah, so. yes, Anthony Mantha would not do that. Anthony, Man, Anthony Mantha was not that kind of person. He just, he was opportunistic. He just wanted to sit in the spot and get fed. You know, that's, I, that was his whole goal. So, Mike, I'm not going to keep you too much longer here, so I appreciate you being on, because I wanted to shoot this for about 40 minutes, if that was cool with you, to make sure everything was timely. So, team leaders here. I thought Dylan Larkin had a fantastic year. It was 71 games played, 31 goals, 38 assists, 69 points. I'm not saying this moniker is true, but I hope that this narrative leaves. Dylan Larkin is not a goal scorer. Yes, he is. 31 goals. He is the leader. He is the captain of the team. I thought he had a fantastic year. What did you think about Dylan Larkin's two-way game? I, th- I, thought he- I thought it was good. I mean, to me, Dylan Larkin was the best player in that team last year. I've seen him go into games and just take the puck and just start taking it on his own. Um, Dylan Larkin needs to be paid. Um, I know his contract's up soon. This guy needs to stay here because... The right wing's got nobody better than him. They do not. And he is, uh, he's a great hockey player. He's a smart hockey player. And this guy can, you know, really change the game. If Now, Olan's got some better players around um, Larkin. He's not going to be targeted as much. And if the guys that Eisman's brought in, signed in, can take some pressure off of him, he'll do better this year. I think so. So we're talking about 71 games played and 69 points. You might think the ceiling for Larkin here, even for this team, might be closer to 80-85. I think that that's going to go up a little bit considerably. And another number that should go up considerably is Tyler Bertuzzi, because he's not going to have the uh, games where he can't play in Canada. Because it's 68 games played, 30 goals, 32 assists, and 62 points. 
whether or not you agree with the decisions, and this isn't a show for us to talk about all that no. stuff, but I'm going to bring in again, Tyler Bertuzzi is the only other guy besides Larkin that was willing to do all the other dirty work. And again, it was 30 and 32 across the stat board there for Bertuzzi. So you're talking about a first line, and I'll bring up Lucas Raymond here, all 82 games played, that's wonderful, 23 goals, 34 assists, 57 points. You're talking about a first line on a rebuilding team, as Steve Eisenman would say in his fourth year, but this is one of the better first lines that we have, I would yeah. think, as far as the young talent and the depth. Yes, I will say this about Lucas Raymond, as we all know. He uh, slumped a little bit toward the end of the year. There's no doubt about that. I think it's easy to say he hit a rookie wall, but he did play 82 games, and he yeah. does have a goal-scoring ability. And who's not to say, okay, I, we probably both agree, Mike, that Larkin, Bertuzzi, and Raymond will be the first line, and they won't be shuffled much. But, but still, you get lines mixed in throughout the game. We all know this. There's changes. Yeah. I think yeah. he can fit in well with Kubelik and Perron, and Raymond can do a lot of damage because Perron would command a lot of attention. So I think with all the other stuff, like you said, with Larkin, Raymond could have some of those same opportunities where he's not going to get keyed in all the time because there's just better talent on this Red Wings roster for these forwards. I'm gonna make a point here and stuff. I mean, I'm looking. I'm looking at the stats for Larkin and Bertuzzi. Overall, last year Larkin had 69 points, played all his games. Bertuzzi played 68 games mm -hmm. and, and had um, 62 points, and he didn't play in Canada last year. Right, so, and they missed him. Yes, yes. He got you know. So I'm just, I'm just you know, I'm 69 points, 62 points. Bertuzzi didn't play the Canada games. Now, I just want to make that point right now. Bertuzzi is a great player. He's an he loves getting the corners. And he loves taking that crap out. And that's that's the guy you want. That is the guy you want to get in those corners and get in that puck out and fight for that puck. I'm just looking at the points right there. Only a seven point difference between him and Larkin. And, and, and considering, and, like you said, he didn't play in about, because you played those right. same teams four times in the division. Right. So that's a right. considerable amount of time that Bertuzzi missed because of all of that. Not right. to mention when you go into the Western Conference and you have Calgary, Edmonton, yep. Vancouver. You know, the, there's a lot of time that Bertuzzi can miss that you can play. So we really believe with Larkin at 69 and Bertuzzi at 62, I think these guys could probably at least get to 80-85, and that's going to get the Red Wings some more points in the standings. Right. So I think I, I was good about bringing other players on the second. They can go, they go in the second, third line, second. They can score points, and so the, other, the opposing teams cannot cannot just focus on the first line. No. So that 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 is that is a key right. That is a key right now for this guy. And let's not forget this man. He could fastly, and I, I'm not going to discredit Larkin here because I still believe he is the best player on the team, but I think Mort Sider might uh, have something to say about that in a couple of years. Yes. In two games, yes. played seven goals, 43 dimes for Mort Sider yeah. for 50 yeah. points, and he won the Calder. The 19-year-old yes. was fantastic. What did you think of Sider's game? Oh, Cider was awesome. I mean, you know, a rookie guy coming in like that and scoring fifty points. I mean, what else could you want? The guy was the guy was great. I mean, you get you give you give him a good defensive pairing, the guy will get better. There is no doubt about it. So you put him alongside Sherratt and stuff. Let turn this guy loose. Let him run. 
So we know what happened in the Stanley Cup Finals, and I think you and I probably agree if it's not Connor McDavid or Nathan McKinnon, it's probably the other guy in Colorado and Kale McCarr. Kale McCarr yeah. is probably the best defenseman in the league. He's done some things that we haven't seen. I'm not yeah. comparing Moritz Sider to uh, Kale McCarr, but Moritz Sider's got some of those abilities to be able to set up teammates and throw that body. I definitely yes. think, because NHL Network said this, I want to make this point, they already had Moritz Sider in the top ten in NHL defensemen after his first season. So that shows you the promise that Moritz Sider could be able to bring, and especially with Simone Edmondson, if that goes for later <laughs> in the year, when, the way that they can both skate and shoot, look out. This Red Wings team and this defense is going to be a lot better, because you remember what Steve Eisenman drafted there, Michael, as far as the Tampa Bay Lightning defenseman, Victor Hedman, so when you're bringing in Ward Sider and Edvinson, that is the big-time ability you want to have on the defense that can shut you down and also make you look stupid. Yes, yes. I mean, I, I see a lot of promise this year. Um, I want to see how these defensive pairings work out. I, you know, Sherratt, like you said, is much more defensive-oriented. Can he, you know, sit back and let um, Sider do a little more offensive stuff? I think Eisman, I mean, the four-year deal, yeah, whatever. But let's, let's, see, let's see how it works out this year. I want to I see some better defense on, on the back end and stuff. I want to see these guys shut down these, these guys and get the puck out. I want to see some puck movement back into the zone. These guys get the puck and get it out. I want a couple notables, and then we'll make a stat adjustment, and then we're going to play a fun game here with Mike. It won't be too much longer for about 10 minutes here, and then we're going to close out the show. So notables, we can't forget about this, Mr. Sword out here. So big-time injury is going to start the year again, and I feel so badly here because he's battled injuries so long, but I feel like this guy is a definite really, really good player. Robbie Fabry, 56 games, played 17 goals, 13 assists, 30 points. He's not going to be back till about March. And you can't forget, he signed a four-year deal with about $5 million per. So Eisman really wanted to give this guy a chance. He's been good for the Red Wings, but he just can't stay healthy. And this is one of those situations here, Mike, and you can look probably farther in the notes. I might throw you a softball, or you might think of another name. What is the biggest name this year that needs to make the biggest improvement for the Red Wings to get to where they want to go, which is a possible playoff spot? Oh God, um, Zadina needs to show up. Zadina, uh, he's this guy's on thin ice right now. This guy needs needs to prove he can he can play. I mean, I know he got Jacob Verana back finally, and these guys talk. Um, Jacob Verana is my um, uh, what do you want to call it? My ace in the hole this year. Can this guy stay healthy this year? Because this guy creates a lot of shit. I know he's not defensive minded, but this guy can score goals. Uh, Zadina, to me, is my wild card this year. What can he do? So you're going to go with Zadina, the 22-year-old, yep. 10 goals, 14 assists, 24 points. Yep. He signed yep. a very nice three-year bridge deal for the yes. for the Red Wings. So even he knows, and Eisman knows, this is a proving ground. This is a big-time opportunity for Zadina to prove what he can do, and hopefully yep. not the last indictment left from Ken Holland as far as being a yep. high first-round pick not doing anything. So... Zadina, I hope that it all works out. Nobody in Detroit, I think, has any ill will towards Zadina. They just no. want to see him live up to his potential. Mm -hmm. No, no, um, not at all. I mean, Zadina's kind of been hanging on the outside, outskirts and stuff. He's never showed us, showed us his thing and stuff. And 
I'm hoping Daryl Kalan brings out the best of him and, and let, let this guy go and stuff. I, you know, I don't know what his relationship with Blashill or what, what with the system he was working in. Is it a system? Is it, is it a, is a, his own personal thing and stuff? But he's got to show something this year because he, he was a high draft pick. This guy's got to show what he can. So I'm going to say this in all honesty. I ultimately respect you for going for Zadina first because then I'll have to take the uh, absolute layup and slam this one out of the park here. Uh, Jacob Verana, it's been two injury-filled seasons, like with Anthony Mantha there for the Capitals. So again, if you're talking about these two guys in exchange for what they were traded for, both of them have been hurt. Verana, 26 games played last year, 13 goals, 6 assists, 19 points. The absolutely cruddy part of it last year was he was injured right in camp. Yep. So yep. that's to me. We we need we need Jacob Ryan for a whole season. This guy needs to play a whole season because this guy brings a whole new element to their game. Because defense cannot ignore this guy. This guy is a goal, a goal scorer. He's an opportunity. He's opportunistic, but he's a goal scorer. You can and you get this guy. You know, his time, I mean, keep him healthy for the year, this guy will do some damage. So I'm going to project this. With, with, with Perron, Kubelik, you have more games from Bertuzzi. You have Larkin probably making another improvement there with Lucas Raymond. Yep. I don't think there's going to be a sophomore slump for Lucas Raymond or Sider. But I'll project this for Verona. In 26 game played, 13 goals. I think Verona can get you 35 goals. I know that sounds like a lot, but I believe in his goal-scoring ability. The only thing that needs to be figured out for Verona is if he can stay healthy. Because yes. this guy is an absolute speed demon, and he is someone, like you said, Mike, you cannot ignore him when he's on the ice. You remember oh. the five-goal game he had when he first got came over from the trade. Yeah. So, yes. Verona's got all sorts of abilities, and the yeah. reason why the Red Wings were able to pick him up from the Washington Capitals, not because the Capitals thought he couldn't play, when you have Backstrom, Oshie, Kuznetsov, <laughs> Ovechkin, you don't yeah. have room. No. So I thought I thought the Red Wings made a good move to get uh, Mantha over there for Verona. They just need him to stay healthy, and if yes. he can do that, you're talking about Jacob Verona also being on a second line. And I'm not trying to sound too hyperbolic or too crazy about what I think the Red Wings can do. You're putting Verona on a second line with the speed that he had there with Perron and mix whatever you want there. That yeah. is dangerous. So. Yeah, the that, that's been the problem with the Wings. They've not had a second line. They've not had a dangerous second line. And you get Perron on that line, you got Veron on that line. This gives, this gives a lot of options. I mean, this is, this is what you need. You can't be a one-line team anymore, right? You've got to, you know, Eisman did this just for this reason, I think. I think he needs, you know, if Veron can stay healthy, this guy can hurt. This guy can hurt some teams, you know. So let's, because I absolutely agree with you on that point, let's just bring this home real quick, and then we will close out the show with the game there. Okay. So expiring contracts this season, and I'm not going to sit here and say this is an emergency because Eisenman has said many times that he wants Dylan Larkin, and I don't think it's window dressing. He knows what kind of player he is. He wants him to close out his career in Detroit. I think that extension will get done. But here yeah. is, here's some other names. Tyler Bertuzzi, Pew Suter, Oscar Sunquist, Adam Ernie, Oli Mata, Jordan Osterley, Jake Wallman, Mark Pizik, Alex Nedeljkovic, and Robert Haig. Here's a couple interesting ones here for me. Tyler Bertuzzi, 
I'm not saying he's going to get traded this year. But I do think, and I'm projecting this here, Mike, and you might laugh, but I'm, I'm, I mean this. So between Jacob Verana and Tyler Bertuzzi, remember Eisman now is in year four. And I do believe Eisman knows how to make trades, and he's got good clout with other GMs in the league. I do think at some point, I know we've talked about this in private, I think Eisman's going to make a really, really big trade at some point. It's probably not going to be this year. But if you have Jacob Verana and he shows out healthy, and Tyler Bertuzzi might command a little bit too much money because you got to pay Dylan Larkin, I imagine Larkin or Bertuzzi stays, not both. That would be my guess. Maybe both in a perfect world. But my point being is this. With Jacob Verana and Tyler Bertuzzi, you could have one hell of a trade package that could bring you a superstar. Am I crazy? Yeah, man. You know, this is my problem. This is my problem with that line of thinking. I understand what you're going after here, but Tyler Bertuzzi creates so many opportunities. I mean... Yeah, you know, this is a guy look I'm getting to do the dirty work for people. And I mean, how do you replace that? How do you replace the guy that can get behind the goal and work that and work that? I mean, that's that's my only problem with that. I understand where you're coming from from this. I mean and if a trade happens, who do you get for this? I mean, you need more than just a pure goal score. You need somebody that can get in the corners too. I'm just you know, like you said, you got one year left, and we'll see how it goes from there. But, man, here's my question. How would you not want Bertuzzi on your team? Why Why would you why not want to pay this guy? I mean, he's young. He, he's shown what he can do. I mean, this guy, had a, he had a great year not even playing in Canada. I mean, this guy's going to command some money. I understand that. And they're going to give a lot of money to Larkin. I mean, bam. Uh, what's your what's your take on that? I'm just giving you my opinion. So when I look at it over the last few years now, as I said, it's year four for Eisman. He's been doing a lot of house cleaning as far as that salary cap situation. I'm not saying it's Kel McCarr or Nathan McKinnon. They've been locked up long term. I know this is nuts. And I'm not saying Connor McDavid. Leon Dreisaitl might be available. <laughs> I really think Ken Holland might make Leon Dreisettle available or something like that. I don't know I don't know how you package that type of deal, but I believe Steve Eisman and Ken Holland, they're gonna owe Steve some favors. I think Steve's gonna be able to get something significant there. How do you replace somebody like Tyler Bertuzzi, as you said, he plays a good two two hundred foot game that uh not a lot of players play. So if you make that trade, I think Eisman's going to have to have that winning hand to be able to get somebody to trade like Bertuzzi or Verona. You'd have to get somebody like a Dreisaitl. Is that going to happen? Maybe not right now this year, but I do think within probably next year or after in 2024, there will be a megastar coming into Detroit. That's just a feeling that I have, but I wanted to project that as we're talking about some of these free agents. I think Larkin stays. I think Verona or Bertuzzi might go. That is just me. So let's keep okay. an eye out for that when we get into the March portion. <laughs> so I agree, I agree. So right now, I want to see how the first part of the season goes through December and see where we are. I want to see where we are in the standings, um, who's doing good and not, and does Eisman feel the need to um, trigger something? I mean, that's, you know, you know, 
that's kind of. I'm, I'm going to see where we are at, at the first half of the season. Let's go. Let's go from there. Let's see. Let's see if Barana stays healthy. Uh, let, let's see if Bertuzzi produces more with being able to play in Canada this year. So I agree with all those points, and I want to close out the show with this. It was 32, 40, and 10 for the Red Wings. And if we scroll down to the bottom of our notes, it's where we're going to be now. That was 74 yep. points in the Atlantic Conference. Again, it was the Florida Panthers with the President's Trophy with a buck 22. Sometimes wow. when you win the President's Trophy, you don't win the whole thing. That's happened to the Red Wings before, but Florida is still a good team. The Toronto Maple Leafs, yes, we can all laugh about the first-round woes, but I still think Toronto, that is one of those teams. If they get out of that first round, they can always definitely have a shot to win the Cup, but they got to win a series. That's how it starts. Yeah, and then the Tampa yeah. Bay Lightning, they were beat up when Nikita Kucherov and Stamkos and some of those things at the end, and that's why they lost to the uh, Colorado Avalanche, who I thought was the best team, and the best yeah, team did win the Cup. No doubt yeah. about that. So where does that leave the Red Wings? They were third from last. It was the Canadians with 55 that should be on the Connor Bedard watch. And the Ottawa Senators, let's make this note here, Mike. Claude Giroux, Josh Norris from Oxford, Michigan. Some really good signings there and re-signings. The Ottawa Senators are probably the sexy pick in the offseason to do a lot of damage. But it might be the Red Wings that do some more of that damage, knowing that they have some other veterans there. So, I bring it to you like this, because it was the Bruins with 107, and then it was the Washington Capitals with 100, and the wild card 1 and 2, so obviously the Red Wings were way out of it. Tell me a team in the Eastern Conference this year that makes the playoffs, and tell me a team that moves out of the playoffs. Um, Rangers in. I thought Gerard Gallant did a great job with that team. I want to see him go a bit further in. Um, Tampa Bay, I'm worried about their time window. I think they are getting at the edge of their players right now. Even with Washington, uh, man, they've kept the same core for years, right? Yeah. I mean, how long can these guys keep going, right? I mean, they're, does they got any fresh blood coming up? But the Rangers I liked last year, and I'd like to see them go a little bit further next year. I think they're on an upward trajectory, so let me, let me rephrase this like this. If the Red Wings were to get in, who has to leave? You think Boston or Washington loses a playoff spot? Um, I'd go with Boston. Um, I think I'm always going to carry Washington to the playoffs again, as usual he does. Um. Again, this all comes down to everybody stays healthy, right? Um, everybody stays in the game and stuff. Tom Wilson doesn't do stupid stuff. Um, he keeps his game together. Um, the Florida Panthers last year, man, like you said, President's Cup trophy. What happened to them? What do they do? What do they do this year to get, to get over that hump? Right? I don't think they end up with 122 points. They lost Jonathan Huberdeau to Calgary. Yeah. So that's so, a big loss. So, yeah, so I mean, if you got a moment, let, let's talk about all the all the big trades. Calgary reloaded after they lost their players. Oh my God! I talked that about means. this here quickly, Mike, with uh, Cooper Hopkins, because you know I do yeah. some games with him, and he's the Calgary Flames resident expert. 
And I got uh -huh. a chance to ask him the other day, okay, you went into a season where you lost Johnny Gaudreau and Matthew Kachuk, both won over 110 points. Who did you bring in? Jonathan Huberdeau, Mackenzie Weger, and Nazem Kadri. Yeah. That's a hell of an offseason there in a rebound. Oh, my God. I mean, it's like Calgary lost everybody. All of a sudden, they gained all these guys back. <laughs> you know, I mean, how does that happen? And what about, what about um, um, what's that, Kachuk, Matt Kachuk going down to Florida? That would be big for them to replace Huberto, no doubt about yeah. it. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I mean, a lot of things remain to be seen about how the, how the season works out and stuff, but... You know, it just amazes me. I mean, Florida. I mean, Florida got they stunk in the playoffs, and it's like they, you know, it's like I mean, we've seen the Ryder Wings do this. They win the Presidents Cup back in the years and just flop. Yeah. You know, I mean, no, I mean, yeah. What's exciting about this is all the players that have moved around and the deals that got made and the big time players got moved and. You know, Calgary just reloaded. It just seemed like it was amazing how they did, did that. So, um, did, did Cal McCarr go out to New York Islanders? Is that where he is now? No, Cal McCarr stayed. It was Nazem Kadri that was supposed oh, yeah. to go to the I'm Islanders. Sorry. Nazem yep, Kadri yep. was supposed to, but he signed with Calgary. They gave him right. a long extension. So, Calgary was able to take the losses of Gaudreau and Kachuk and turn it into... Uh, Jonathan Huberdeau, Mackenzie Weger, Cole Schwint, a first round, and Nazem Kadri. So right. that was a what hell of a rebound there. How, how, how does Calgary have that kind of money? I mean, good God, they just mortgaged their whole future on yeah, this. Jo Johnny they? Gaudreau was one of those guys that could have commanded about $12, 13000000 million. They were ready to pay him the max amount and put his number in the rafters to be an all-time uh, closeout participant. Yeah. I know that for sure from what Cooper was telling me. And uh, yeah. because of the money that they didn't pay to him, that allows them to go ahead and sign that. So what that tells you in the NHL, these GMs are not allowed, they're not afraid, I should say, to be able to make big-time extensions to players when they want to get their services and keep them around and not have to deal with free agency. And that's what okay. we saw with Calgary. I want to bring this out in the East, and then we'll go to the West and close it out. So. Okay. This was my question, and when I asked Cooper this, because we got your thoughts, I, t I told him, give me a team that will uh, get into the postseason that didn't last year and give me a team that's going to get out. And just like you, he said the Boston Bruins because of all the injuries that they're going to start with at the beginning yeah. of the year. No Bergeron, no Marchand. Yes, they got Pasternak, and they're trying to bring in David Krejci. They got some injuries in the back end. That could cripple them for a couple of months. And you cannot fall in the Eastern Conference when you have the Panthers, Maple Leafs, Lightning, Hurricanes. You know, those teams are dominant. I understand that the Colorado Avalanche won the Cup, but I'd be hard-pressed. Again, they are the best team, but I'd be hard-pressed to tell you that the Eastern Conference doesn't have those better teams that scare you a little bit. It's a bloodbath in the East. Yeah. So yeah. He, he said Boston out, and he goes, I'm actually going to go against you, John, against the green. I'm going to put the Red Wings in. And he goes, I, I said that not because of you. I think with all those other moves and they stay healthy, the Red Wings will beat out the Bruins for a wild card spot. That's what he told me. For me, if the Red Wings were going to get in, I don't think they will this year. I think they're going to flame out probably around March and April. They're going to stay more relevant. Through January and February, they might fall late. That's where I have them. My one team that's impossible danger, 
I'm going to flip on the other side with the wall card. As much as I love Alex Ovechkin, and I bet he gets another 50 goals, that team is banged up too. How long yeah. are they going to be able to keep that together? And is Darcy Kemper the answer? That's my question. I think the, Dar- the Capitals will be out. Yeah, I don't, I don't. The Darcy Kemper acquisition, I mean, it's all, you know, like I said, I said this to you all the time. It's all the defense in front of him. I mean, can, can a guy make, make the saves when he needs to? I mean, it's. I mean, I don't know how, I agree with you. I don't know how long Washington keeps this up. And that's, you know, it's, that's, that's a big question. Ovechkin can score goals, but, you know, it's, it's, you know, how long can this guy keep going? I know the guy's a, he's a, he's a robot at most parts and stuff. And how, how long can he keep doing this and stuff? And when, 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 when's his breaking point? When is, when is, when does he say, okay, can, he's got his cup. He's gone. I mean, you know, Man, I, I love Ovechkin, but I agree with you. I, Washington is on the edge. You know, either they make the playoffs barely or they're out. For prosperity purposes, because technology sometimes fails, I had to redial Mike on the side there for the phone. So for the Western Conference, he has Vegas out, and he has Nashville in. So he's going to keep out in Nashville and keep Vegas out, and that should keep it the same way as it was for myself, it's struggling between Dallas or Nashville as far as who it gets out and maybe putting Vancouver in, just like my partner Cooper Hopkins had said before. I think he's probably right on that marker. So to officially close out and add on to this in a second file, and put it all together there, but I will be doing the nightcap. So initially it was going to be the New York Rangers and the Tampa Bay Lightning Eastern Conference uh, rematch. Because of family obligations, I cannot do the 7.30 game, but the 10 o'clock game between the Vegas Golden Knights and the Los Angeles Kings, I will be there on ColorCast and on YouTube. So as always, it's either Facebook Live, Twitter Spaces, YouTube, ColorCast. Uh, check me around on those platforms, and as always, it'll be uploaded to Hopeless Sports Guy on Spotify and uh, hopelesssportsguy.wordpress.com for the play-by-play and game story coverage all season long for the NHL. But because of ESPN Plus and NBA League Pass, courtesy of NBA 2K23 Championship Edition, I'm going to have that season coming up the following Tuesday. So it's going to be complete NHL and complete NBA coverage all the way through to the playoffs, and especially beginning of the NHL playoffs, Cooper Hopkins will be joining me extensively. He is the Calgary Flames resident expert, so on those games I will probably be on the color side, and he will be doing the play-by-play, and then vice versa the other ways. But I will try to get him as much as possible as far as the play-by-play if he wants to do that, because he's got that velvety smooth butter, butter voice that I do not have. So that's always good to have, especially when you can play back and forth as far as the stats and the enjoyment of calling the game and all that. It's just going to be so exciting to bring that into you in the 2022-2023 start of the NHL season. We know we had some of those games in the Czech Republic and Prague where Nashville went 2-0 against the San Jose Sharks, but the season, even though it already officially kicked off, it kicks off for everybody else starting on Tuesday. And in this Red Wings season preview show that we ended, that will begin Friday at Little Caesars Arena against the Montreal Canadiens, and they have a back-to-back with the New Jersey Devils the next night. My first Red Wings telecast will probably be 
next Monday. So it'll be on the 17th probably against the LA Kings where I think Patrick Rush will probably be able to join me if I'm not flying solo. So as always guys, I thank you and I appreciate it and I will see you tomorrow on ColorCast for Golden Knights and the LA Kings. Hope you guys enjoy the show. We will talk to you very, very soon.